0: is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, a hot take on what's been a hot month. The hottest July ever recorded. Some researchers suggest hotter than any time in 120,000 years. Whether that's true or not, much of the U.S. has been in the throes of a heat wave with alerts across the Midwest up to the Northeast. It feels like 100 degrees or more in many places. In Phoenix, Arizona, the highs topped 110 every day for a month. That's a record. So there's been a lot of talk about climate change. The head of the United Nations issued a warning about it the other day. So we reached out to Bjorn Lomborg, who's written books about climate change and the alarms raised about it and what should or should not be done to combat it. our conversation was too long to fit into our regular Rundown podcast on Friday, so we thought it would be good to let you hear all of it, which is why we created these extras in the first place. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please come back for more. Now, Bjorn Lomborg on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us on the Fox News Rundown is Bjorn Lomborg. He is president of the Copenhagen Consensus Center, visiting fellow at the Hoover Institute, somebody who studied climate change and or global warming for a long time. Has had a few critics along the way. We'll get into all that. Of course, we have the heat wave that is searing a lot of the U.S., certainly the Phoenix area in the Southwest. They've had it for several weeks. The Northeast and parts of the Midwest are going to get some very hot temperatures over the next couple of days. And it's getting, of course, a lot of attention with it being uh, linked to climate change. First, Bjorn, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Hey, Dave. It's great to be.
0: So this heat wave... Obviously, it's July. We have hot temperatures, 90s and 100s every year. Why this heat wave? Why does this heat wave get so much more attention and climate change labeled to it than, say, maybe others might have?
2: So, look. Temperatures are rising, and global warming is a real problem, and so it's not surprising to say overall we would expect as temperatures rise, we're gonna see more heat waves. Whether this particular heat wave is caused by climate change is much different thing and not really something that anyone can say uh, with any kind of certainty, but we are likely to see more heat waves. And so this is a problem, this is one of the problems that we will see more of because of climate change. So it's it's very real to say, here is an issue. Okay. All right. Now, there have been some research.
0: Researchers have come out this week and said that certainly what we've seen in the Southwest, also in Europe, could not have happened without the continuing buildup of warming gases in the air. It's virtually impossible without climate change to have these heat waves. Do you agree?
2: Again, I should just say I'm, I'm a social scientist, so I, I'm, I'm just talking to a lot of the smart guys in the in the natural sciences. Uh, my understanding is what they're saying is it couldn't have been quite as hard or quite as hot as it otherwise would have been without global warming. They're not saying it wouldn't have happened, as you just pointed out. It's summer. We are going to see heat waves, but we'll see longer, stronger, hotter heat waves because of global warming. And I think that's what the, uh, the best evidence from the UN Climate Panel will tell us.
0: Okay, now we have had heat waves before. Their 1930s in the U.S., we had some terrible heat. What would be the difference between that then and
2: now? So fundamentally, the point is that we're going to see more of those heat waves. So instead of just seeing them in in, in that one decade or in uh, 1934 and 35, uh, you will be more likely to see them every year. But of course, and one uh, incredibly important thing is to recognize in the same time you also got air conditioning. Uh, So back in times of old, uh, most people in uh, the U.S. and everywhere else, was just suffering through those. And it was really bad and it killed a lot of people. And what we have seen very clearly is the fact that you get air conditioning and if you can afford to also run it, that actually means that you don't die even from very strong heat waves. So there's a very clear signal through the 20th century and into the 21st century in the US that you have dramatically reduced the amounts of people dying from heat waves despite the fact that we've probably seen more and more heat waves as temperatures have risen so what you have to wrap your head around is yes there is a physical problem as we put in more co2 in the atmosphere we will get more hot weather and we'll get more heat waves but actually because we're smart creatures we know how to survive better through those heat waves and that's why it's very likely that we will see fewer not more uh heat deaths because we have more technology. And of course, one of the important points then is to make sure that everybody has access to uh, uh, air conditioning, that we have access to uh, a way to make, for instance, cities more livable by putting in more greenery and water features, things that actually cool down cities and cool down people. That's the crucial bit, and that way we can actually save many more people.
0: Okay. Now, climate change, we can also have extreme weather on the other end, right? We can have extreme cold, and cold can be even deadlier than the hot. Am I right?
2: Yes. And this is one of the things that's totally lacking in most of the climate conversation. Remember, it's not very surprising if you are uh, 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 an advocate for, for we should do more about climate change. Every time there's a heat wave, you will say, see? global warming, you need to do something about this. But of course, the reality is, if you want to do something to actually help people being stuck in heat waves, it is to make sure that they have air conditioning and that they can afford the electricity to run their air conditioning. But what we often forget is that many, many more people die from cold. Uh, A recent estimate for North America, so that's basically just the US and Canada, and so it's mostly just the US, is that Every year, about 20,000 people die from heat, and that's absolutely important to recognize that we need to help these people, we need to make sure that they're aware of it, and that they get access to air conditioning and so on. But every year, 173,000 people die from too low temperatures. So much, much more. We're talking about a large fraction more than what we're talking about with heat deaths. Yet nobody talks about this. And crucially, of course, as temperatures rise, you're going to see more heat waves, as we talked about in the beginning, but you're going to see fewer cold waves. And because it affects a lot more people, that actually means that over the last couple of decades, we've seen fewer people die from temperature-related deaths, so from both heat and cold deaths. Because, yes, there are more people dying from heat, but many fewer people dying from cold. You need to hear both if you're actually going to be well-informed.
0: Now, in addition to what's been record temperatures on Earth in July, we've seen temperatures in the ocean around Florida measured where the water temperature is 100 and 101 degrees, which is like a hot tub. Why is that?
2: Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I I can give you the sort of simple answer, which is what the media is doing again, is that that's also likely connected to global warming. Again, uh, there's a lot of other things that happen and you have had lots of other extreme events in the past. This is a little part of it is probably because of global warming. And it shows, again, global warming will have a lot of negative and positive effects. So fundamentally, it'll make more people die from heat. It'll make fewer people die from cold. Overall, when you take all of the negatives and all of the positives, global warming will have more negatives than positives. That's why it's a problem. But you are not well informed if you only talk about the problems and not about the benefits. If you only emphasize the worst case outcomes, like for instance, uh, a, a few days in Florida, but fail to talk about all the other impacts uh, that you're gonna see from global warming and and, uh, in all kinds of other ways. So again, it's important to not get stuck just on individual examples, but to actually look across the spectrum and say, yes, there is global warming. Yes, it is a problem. No, it's not, you know, uh, that we're all gonna be living in a hot tub, for instance.
1: Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today.
0: You have faced criticism over your positions when it comes to climate change over the years, but you are not a climate denier. You, you've said over and over again here in our conversation that global warming is here and it is real. So for those who deny it, how much on the fringe are they now?
2: Again, it's hard for me to tell, but it it seems very, very clear that the overwhelming scientific uh, indication is that if you put in more CO2 in the atmosphere, all other things equal, you're going to see higher temperatures. The real issue here is what impact will that have on humans? And we fail often to recognize that many other things are much more important. That is the advent of air conditioning and that you have the opportunity to keep your uh, home cool in the summer and warm in the winter. Those are the things that really matter most to most human welfare. And also the conversation about how do you help people? Uh, So for instance, uh, a lot of people have talked about uh, the fact that we have a lot more people dying from heat in uh, Phoenix, Uh, what most people don't talk about is that most of these people are drug addicts and homeless people. And so the question here is if you want to help these people not die from heat, which I think is an absolutely right policy, are you going to try to change the entire global energy system in order to help them ineffectively in 100 years? Or do you actually want to make sure that you address the fundamental problems, which is drug abuse and, and uh, homelessness. Uh, again, we seem to be almost focused entirely in saying everything comes down to, should you use more or less fossil fuels? Whereas the right answer is very often, no, it's some of these other things we do. You should have more air conditioning, you should have more heating, uh, you should not be homeless, you should not be a drug addict. Those are the kinds of simple and fairly obvious solutions that we know how to implement much cheaper and with much more success.
0: Now, you've written many books, obviously, about climate change and how to deal with it. There have been a lot of people who want to spend a lot of money to get rid of all fossil fuels, which over to electric vehicles, for instance, go to wind and solar energy, which is going to cost a lot of money. What is your argument against some of that?
2: So mostly that it's just wishful thinking. Uh, Remember, uh, most politicians now, the Biden administration, but certainly most other governments in the rich world are now basically promising to go net zero. uh, So no more fossil fuels or close to that uh, by mid-century. Uh, and there's just no indication that that's actually anywhere on the trajectory of where the world is uh, headed. Also, uh, the estimates from Bank of America, from McKinsey, and many others, uh, seems to indicate that this is going to cost in the order of 5 to $6 trillion, if done extremely well. So 5 to $6 trillion each and every year. This is just an outrageously large Amount of money, and something that I think most uh, uh voters are just not willing to do, so it 's something that politicians routinely talk about, but it won 't actually happen. Just to give you one example, uh, a study in Nature magazine showed that if you were just going to try to approach the uh, the uh, estimates that of what the Biden administration is promising by two thousand and fifty, so an eighty percent reduction, not one hundred percent reduction, eighty percent reduction would cost more. Than $5,000 per person per year in 2050. Uh, most surveys show that people are willing to pen, spend maybe you know, $50, $100, maybe $200 on climate change. So we're vastly beyond that amount. And of course, trying to get even closer would probably uh, more than double that cost to $11,000 or beyond. So the fundamental point here is we're talking about policies that are so expensive that rich people are not going to be willing to do it. Poor people, of course, can't do it. Uh, we're talking about India spending about 9 or 10% of its GDP, more than what it spends on healthcare or on education, each and every year. Uh, pretty much uh, all of what they're spending right now on government levels would have to be spent on going net zero. They're not going to do that. And so the reality is you can get some of the rich countries to go some of the way. You won't get most of the rich countries to go all the way, and you certainly won't get most of the big emitters, that is China, India, and Africa, uh, to go even uh, just a tiny bit of the way. And that's why we're basically just talking about stuff that's wishful thinking, sounds great, it's not going to happen, bothly, both because it's incredibly expensive and because most, especially countries in the poor world, have other and more important issues to deal with, like lifting their populations out of poverty.
0: Your most recent book is best things first. So what would you advocate should be done instead?
2: So first of all, you should focus on solving climate change through innovation. That's how we solve almost all big problems in the world. If you think about the Los Angeles area in the 1950s, it was terribly polluted, mostly because of cars. The solution was not to tell everyone to not use their cars and walk instead, that would probably never work, but the solution was innovation. In 1978, we innovated the catalytic converter. You plug it on your car. Yeah, it cost a couple hundred dollars and then you basically don't pollute anymore. That's how you solve the problem of air pollution in Los Angeles, of course, it was more than that, but it's the general idea.
0: So you don't think cars Lightwise, pollute anymore? I mean, you, you just said they don't pollute anymore. So what is what is the cars- difference between a car now that we drive that powered by gas versus electric vehicles they want us all to drive
2: in the future? So, sorry, cars pollute a lot less. Okay, Uh, So we're talking about 95, 98, 99% less of local air pollution, the stuff that actually made smogs uh, a big thing in Los Angeles in the 1950s. There is still some air pollution and there's certainly a lot of CO2 emissions. And so electric cars can do some of that, but again, you have to recognize that electric cars are much more costly and most people but partly can't afford them. Uh, many people don't have a place where they can recharge them. Most people are not willing to have a car that can only go uh, say 300 miles and then you need to stop somewhere for half an hour or an hour and recharge. You wanna go into a gasoline uh, uh, station and refill it in a couple of minutes. So again, we need to recognize that electric cars are gonna be great for some people in some set, uh, uh, setups, but it's not going to be the main part of the solution. And putting in trillions of dollars is not actually going to change that fact very much. Okay. So again, it's innovation, spend a lot more resources, resources, but much cheaper than what we're doing right now on, on, uh, on subsidies to solar and wind and so on. Okay. Uh, about $30 billion into research and development into green energy. And then- At the same time, of course, we have to remember that there are many other problems in the world. Uh, Tuberculosis, malaria still kills lots of people, poor education, uh, 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 chronic diseases, lack of free trade, all these things that we also need to focus on. And climate change is one problem, but it's just one of many. And we should remember to fix all of them.
0: Okay. Now, in your book, uh, you you had false alarm, which got into the panic of, of climate change, especially in some of the media. There was a New York Times review of the book that called you naive Believing that markets work well Ignoring a half century of research The author said Of market failures
2: I don't think I'm naive Uh, Look There's absolutely market failures. Uh, Climate change is one uh, that we're not pricing uh, carbon. That's what I'm uh, pointing out. That's one of the issues. Uh, I'm also emphasizing that there's market failures exactly on innovation. That's why I'm suggesting we should be spending a lot more research and development into green energy. Those are the things I'm not uh, being naive and believing that these things are gonna be easy, but that's exactly what I'm trying to argue for, that we need to be smart about how we tackle climate change. And one thing I am saying is, we shouldn't believe that wishful thinking is a good strategy for tackling global warming.
0: What about the price of carbon? You you just mentioned it.
2: How do you deal with that? Uh, So ideally, and this is what pretty much all climate economists would say, you should put a price on carbon. So. Fundamentally, that's a way to make sure that everybody takes into account the negative externality. So basically, the negative effect it has on the world that you emit more CO2 that you take into your account when you make your decision on should I fly or should I uh, uh, take the train or should I uh, take my car or maybe not go at all. Uh, Those are the kinds of conversations that are much easier and simply built into the system if you have a carbon tax. On the other hand, you also need to have a sense of proportion. With any realistic carbon tax, this is only going to be a minor part of the solution of the problem. You need to recognize the only real way you're going to fix climate change is essentially innovating cheap green electricity. Uh, sorry, cheap green energy. Uh, if we can make green energy cheaper than fossil fuels, everyone will switch. Uh, One good example, not quite ready there, uh, is the U.S. fracking in the early 2000s, where the U.S., through innovation, basically made gas much, much cheaper. Now, gas emits about half as much CO2 as, as coal, and that was basically why a lot of coal stopped being used for electricity, instead you used gas, and that's why the U.S. has reduced its emissions more than any other country in the last 10 years. That's because you made an innovation. now gas is not fully green but it's much greener than coal and that's a way you actually make sure that people switch over that's how you solve global warming in the longer run what
0: should people do the average consumer
2: so there yeah so there's a lot of arguments oh consumers should do this that and the other uh what we need to recognize is most of our actions are going to be fairly small uh, so, for instance, people will argue uh, we should become vegetarians or so on. I, I'm a vegetarian personally, so I would love for more people to become vegetarian because that would give me more choice in all my restaurants. But the truth is, this will possibly cut about 4% of your emissions uh, on average. And given that uh, vegetarian food is typically uh, cheaper, it actually means you have more money left over. You're going spend that on other things. Uh, the economists call it rebound effect. And that means your real reduction is going to be 2% uh, percent of your emissions or something that would have cost you in the order of 10 $20 on the uh, U.S. emission trading system per year. So again, Yes, by all means be more conscious about it, but this is not predominantly an issue that you solve through personal choice. This is something we solve as a society by being smart.
0: Bjorn Lomborg, president of the Copenhagen Consensus Center, visiting fellow at the Hoover Institute. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much for being with us.
2: Thank you very much, Dave. Hey, everyone, it's Kennedy, and you can listen to my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It's going five days a week on the Fox News Podcast Network. We're bringing you all the fan favorites. Listen on Spotify, Apple, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download podcasts.
1: From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
2: Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at FoxNewsPodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite
0: podcast.